Welcome to the Islam and Liberty podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to support us, visit islamandlibertynetwork.org. There is a donation button on the site. In this episode, we have a recording of our 7th International Islam and Liberty Conference, The Islamic Case for Religious Freedom, held in Jakarta. Today, we have Fida Ur-Rahman, a lecturer in the Department of Social Sciences at University College of Salt, P-U-I-T-E-M-S, Balochistan, Pakistan. He is part of a panel, Theory and Theology of Religious Freedom, chaired by Muhammad Azam Muhammad Adil. His topic is Apostasy, Religious Freedom, and Individual Liberty, Textual and Contextual Analysis of Classical, Islamist, and Post-Islamist Narratives. Uh, before going to the main discussion, I would like to um, define a few things. What uh, uh, do I mean by uh, those uh, terms? For example, apostasy means uh, consciously leaving Islam in word or through deed by an act of, uh, an act of converting to another religion or a rejection of a faith to be irreligious by a person who was uh, either born in a Muslim family or who had previously accepted Islam. Uh, the second thing is a religious freedom. It means the right of all human beings to believe, speak, and act individually and in community with others in private and public life uh, in accord with their understanding of ultimate truth. It is also uh, defined in the Article 18 of Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which states that everyone has the right to uh, freedom of thought and religion. This right includes freedom to change his religion or belief and freedom either alone or in community with others and in public or private to manifest his religion or belief in teaching, practice, worship and observance. Uh, it is interesting to note that uh, um, due to this article of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, um, uh, most of the Muslim countries um, disagreed uh, with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and uh, uh, introduced uh, its alternative is uh, Cairo Declaration of Human Rights in Islam in 1990. Uh, most of the Muslim majority countries are signatories of Universal Declaration of Human Rights except Saudi Arabia. The next term is individual liberty. It means liberation of human beings and to be free from external restraints in the exercise of those rights which are considered to be outside the province of a government to control. The next is classical uh, is a form or a system of... Uh, that is considered of first significance in earlier times. Here, uh, in, uh, by classical, I mean the uh, five uh, uh, schools of uh, Muslim jurisprudence. Islamism or political Islam is an Islamic revivalist worldview, top-down change strategy and socio-political activism in society. While the last thing, post-Islamism is an emergent intellectual social response to internal and external socio-political and economic conditions uh, which are primarily uh, a quest for truth embedded in epistemological uniqueness uh, with a focus to idealize and create a democratic culture, state and society and re-Islamization of it through reformation of individual behavior rather than 
enforcement of Sharia and Islamization of state. The idea of post-Islamism is actually a retreat from the idea of establish, establishing an Islamic state. It is a, neither a secular nor an anti-religious project. Uh, if Islamism is defined as a, a fusion of religion and responsibility, the post-Islamism uh, is defined as religiosity and rights. Uh, the background of uh, this discussion is that uh, the paper deals with the question of religious freedom in Islam by exploring and analyzing the classical Islamist and post-Islamist position. Uh, it is not intended uh, to introduce or promote uh, the Western-inspired values uh, about liberty as is objected by the Islamist. Um, uh, I believe uh, freedom or liberty is a universal concept. Uh, it's, uh, it has nothing to do with the, the Western or the Eastern uh, division. Uh, another purpose is to reclaim the originality of Islam uh, for religious freedom in purely Quranic perspective that was uh, compromised for political reasons. Uh, <clears throat> There are two parts of this discussion. Uh, one is the textual analysis and the second is contextual analysis. As far as the textual analysis of uh, uh, the Quranic verses that deals with the apostasy or religious freedom is concerned. So um, uh, there is a popular verse of Pakistan, uh, of uh, Quran, sorry, uh, that is uh, mentioned in favor of religious freedom like Rafiddin, that is, uh, uh, 256th numbers, uh, verse of the Surah Al-Baqarah. There are uh, many uh, opinions uh, about uh, this verse. There are some scholars who uh, say that it was abrogated by the verses that deal uh, with jihad. Some say it is restricted solely to the Ansars. And some say that it was uh, related to the jizya being infidels whose uh, uh, forceful conversion was uh, declared unlawful. Uh, if we see uh, the historical background of uh, uh, th this discussion, uh, uh, especially the classical opinions about the apostasy, uh, one thing should be uh, kept in mind that uh, the, the polity of that time was based on religion. And a polity based on religion cannot coexist with unlimited freedom of religion. The verse was interpreted restrictively by the early exegetes. It was uh, like we are talking about religious freedom. The concept is not is uh, objected by the Islamists. It is not Western inspired. It was uh, brought by, or you can say reinterpreted by uh, Mutazilites, uh, scholars, for example, Al-Kafal al-Shashi, uh, who was uh, a Shafi jurist, Abu Muslim Isfahani, and Fakhruddin al-Razi in his Tafsir Ruh al-Ma'ani. And all of them read the, the verse as a statement of a freedom and about free will. There are some people who uh, uh, interpreted the word like Raha is uh, an absence of uh, divine coercion. The question is whether it uh, deals with uh, uh, like Rafidin, uh, it 
only deals with the divine uh, compulsion or it also deals with the human compulsion as well <clears throat> many people uh, like uh, there is a, a theological debate of jabari and qadriya they have uh, interpreted uh, the verse in their own way uh, the next thing uh, that is related to this debate is uh there are two ahadis which are uh, reported by uh, through through different isnad through different chain of narrators uh, that deals with the apostasy or religious freedom for example uh the first uh, hadith that deals with the issue is man badal dinu faqtuluhu there is uh, a criticism on those ahadith for example it is one uh, the point uh, of objection is that the hadith was reported in second and third generation and uh, most of the scholars for example uh, hazrat umar ibrahim annaqi and sufyan asuri and scholars like that uh, were uh, unaware of the, uh, such a hadith there are also issues in the chain of narrators and uh, such a hadith uh, have clashed with other hadith that show that prophet uh, was uh, so lenient about the rewards it is also against the quranic uh, perspective on the fitna on the religious per uh, persecution uh, uh, there are more than 200 quranic verses that deals with religious freedom there is another uh, hadith that uh, states uh, that a muslim uh, can be killed except in three cases and the one case is Uh, is is interpreted is uh, apostasy but if uh, we look at the words of uh, uh, the hadith it state what tariqu li dinihi al mafariq lil jamaah one who abandons his religion and separates from the community it shows that uh, uh, the the english word apostasy is different than uh, is the word is used is ridda in arabic for uh deserting uh islam and joining the uh, uh the enemies joining the uh, other community uh it is suggested that quite uh, quite an isolated law having no foundation in quran and a law is always given and promulgated in public way it cannot be founded on just uh, a single khabar wahid and isolated reports is uh, is the case of these ahadis as far as the uh, contextual analysis is concerned that there are uh, many interpretations uh, the, of uh, those hadith for example and instead of uh, uh, reinterpreting uh, the hadith in the light of quran uh, um, our scholars uh, especially the classical scholars took uh, the issue of apostasy is an uh is an is a, an independent law for example uh, shah waliullah writes in al hujjatul al barigha that shows that the iqra the compulsion is understood is an established law for example he says that kufr and shirk rejection of islam or polytheism or rebellion against god and such a rebellion can be approached through aggressive initiatives the second uh, opinion is that an apostate or a murtad becomes 
an imminent threat to Milla al-Islamiyah. And such a person can drag others in this practice too. So as a precautionary measure, such a person is killed. Like it is opinion uh, that is, uh, um, that was reported by Ibn Taymiyyah in Majmul Fatawa and Ibn al-Hammam in his book Fathul Qadir. Hanafi jurist uh, says that when a person apostates, he turns into a muharib. Uh, he's actually punished for muhariba, not apostasy. In al qatla bi itibar al muhariba, and yuqtalu li daf al muhariba is is reported by uh, Imam Sarakhsi in his book al 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 mabsud. Same uh, is the opinion of uh, Malana Umar Ahmad Usmani, that is uh, uh, a modern approach to Islam, Abdullah Sayyid Jabe, uh, um, Taha Jabir al-Alwani. What I wanted to share with you is quite a new trend in this regard, is uh, the opinion of Javed Ahmad Ghamdi about the uh, issue of apostasy. He says that whatever is, issue, whatever is mentioned in the hadith is not an uh, independent law, but it is basically an explanation of the verses that deals with the polytheist uh, in the Surah Tawbah. Uh, for example, it is mentioned in Surah Tawbah that Faizan Salah al-Ashrul Huram and so on. Uh, that the polities should, should be given a deadline to accept Islam or, uh, or death. So he says the, the hadith deals with those polytheists who accepted Islam and reverted later on. It's not a general law. It cannot be applied on uh, in, in, other, um, in other ages or in other regions. It is uh, exclusively uh, related to uh, the polytheists of the prophetic era. Uh, another thing is that the relative pronoun who, man, in the hadith man that is exclusively related to the mushrikun of prophetic era it cannot be uh, applied generally this law um, has been as stated before is specifically mean for the ummiyun or the people towards whom muhammad had been directly assigned apart from them from that it has no bearing upon any other person or nation. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Fidaul Rahman. I think uh, it is a sort of a revision what uh, um, Prof. Kamadi has uh, presented in the keynote address. But one thing I would like to share from my understanding and my research in regard to this apostasy I found it, there are three views of regard to this. One, the classical Muslim jurists have, in majority, has, have made it uh, as part of hudud punishments, whereby if you read any of the classical books pertaining to hudud offences, one of them would be apostasy. Uh, the other view would be, it is categorized under ta'zir, which is depend on the ruler, 
and that also uh, taking place in some of the Muslims country. Of course, hudud will be also, uh, uh, I mean, the practice by majority of the Muslim, uh, I mean, countries. And uh, the so-called, uh, the, what we are now proposing is no punishment, which is something which is, uh, if we are talking about the Malaysian perspective, would be something which is very uh, strange, very rare, because in Malaysia, for example, every state, they have provisions in the Sharia criminal laws where apostasy is an offence. But the punishment is not categorised under hudud. Of course, like what Prof Kamali has mentioned this morning, that the uh, Hanafi school has exempted women from this uh, punishment because women are exempted from capital punishment. And one thing that I think would be very important to be discussed is there are two types of Muslims. One is Muslim by birth, another one is Muslim by conversion. Very rare discussions in the classical jurists differentiate that matter with regard to Muslim by conversion and Muslim by birth pertaining to apostasy and the so-called punishment on apostasy. Uh, how would your opinion about uh, Pakistan uh, woman freedom, uh, freedom, education freedom, and political freedom woman. Uh, Pakistan female social rule. Uh, I, I know uh, 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 woman, Pakistan, uh, not, not same Indonesia woman, gender. Uh, the topic was religious freedom, but now it's about human rights. So. Uh, uh, you can see uh, uh, a different uh, picture of uh, regarding human rights in Pakistan. In some areas, for example, uh, I live in uh, Pashtun Belt. So the Pashtun area, uh, which is an ethnic group. Uh, here you can find that uh, uh, women have uh, no social mobility. They are restricted. Um, they are confined to homes and they cannot go out and cannot participate in the uh, social life, in the social activities. But if you go to Punjab, into, into Sindh, into the urban areas, then uh, you can see quite a different picture of um, uh, human, uh, women's social mobility. Uh, you can see them uh, working in banks, in, uh, uh, in schools, in colleges, and in other um, businesses. So um, it, in some areas, uh, the culture is more dominant on uh, the, uh, like the religious interpretations are uh, dominated by the cultural values. Uh, so that's why uh, one can see that uh, uh, women's social mobility uh, may be dominated by those cultural values and they won't be uh, able, they won't be allowed to participate in the social interaction. So uh, it, there is um, a mixture of, uh, you can say, uh, a mixed um, observation, a mixed uh, interpretation and a mixed practice regarding women's rights uh, in Pakistan. If you enjoyed and would like to explore more, visit islamandlibertynetwork.org. You can also support us through the donation button on the site. Thank you for listening to this podcast.